all of us have moments, whether we're out surfing, whether we're cooking, there are moments where all of our attention and our awareness and we're in these flow states are on the experience that we're having. But there's also ways to tap into that. And meditation is one way, but breath work is also another way. And breath work has been around as long as meditation has been around. From all the way in the Judeo-Christian times to you know the uh, yogis that taught ways to control this thing that we all have, which is our breath, to elicit a certain feeling. Meditation is something that changes your mind over a period of time. Breath work is something that changes your physiological state just like that. You know, you might only have five minutes if you're lucky a day. So what can you do for five minutes every single day that's going to build this skill within you? And it's a bit like going to the gym and doing squats. If you do squats once a week, it might be great, but you're probably not gonna see much benefit from that over a period of time. It's better than nothing, but it's also not really gonna develop any sort of muscle there. And it's like meditation as well. If you all you do is five minutes every single day, you'll begin to see a change in your life as opposed to maybe sitting 30 minutes once a week. So these little incremental moments where you're deeply present, deeply cultivating your mind can really add up and it won't show in the practice. It'll show like when you're interacting with your kids or your own mind in all those quiet moments. And then you'll realize, oh, when I have nothing to do and there's no one else there, I'm actually okay. Like this moment is actually kind of, I'm fine with myself. That was Manoj Diaz, a speaker and meditation teacher. Born in Sri Lanka and later raised in Australia, he's helped thousands of people around the world in their meditation practice to improve and transform their life. From gaining new perspectives in stressful situations, increasing patience, tolerance, and presence, and cultivating a disciplined life. Manoj brings the cumulative power of compassion, awareness, and wisdom by combining ancient wisdom and contemporary science to large organizations including Netflix and Google. He's also an associate at the Melbourne Business School's Executive Leadership Program and became Australia's first and only Lululemon Global Ambassador in 2019. In this episode, Manoj shares his personal story with anxiety that led to the breakdown of his health. He eventually landed in a yoga class, which brought him to a meditation journey of mindfulness, healing, and now teaching others what he has learned. He breaks down how to start a meditation practice and the reasons why, the benefits of breathwork, how to be more present and connected in your life, and why it's so hard to quiet our mind, and how only five minutes a day of meditation can change your life. I definitely needed this conversation as I tend to be someone who's always on the go and hustling to check things off my list. So this episode really hit home for me and combining the tools he shares in this conversation can not only lower the stress in our lives, promoting longevity and health, but also bringing us to the present moment in everyday tasks like being with our children and doing daily chores. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the Ellen Fisher podcast. Okay, you guys, I'll be the first to admit that I love pretty things. So if I find a product that nourishes me and looks beautiful on the kitchen counter, I am all in. Anima Mundi Herbals does just that. They carry organic, wild-crafted, and ethically grown botanicals in the most beautiful packaging. From elderberry syrup and adaptogenic mushrooms to spirulina, chocolate protein, teas, and collagen booster powders, every vibrant and medicinally potent remedy is packaged in eco-friendly packaging, uh, recyclable glass, or biodegradable bags. It was founded by Costa Rican herbalist Adriana Ayalas, who uses over 200 different sustainably grown herbs from around the world to create intentional products that contain zero fill 
fillers, binders, or flow agents. Everything is made in the U.S. with certified organic, wild-crafted, and sustainably harvested plants and herbs in a vegan and gluten-free kitchen. I love their high-potency elderberry syrup, which is double-extracted. It's adaptogenic, antiviral, organic, and wild-crafted, perfect for supporting healthy immune function. So use my code ELLEN20 for 20% off. Just click the link in my show notes to get this deal from an amazing company that supports fair trade practices, beyond organic farming, education, and small farmers to create remedies that benefit people from all walks of life. Thank you, Manoj, for being here. How are you liking Hawaii so far? Oh my gosh, I think I mentioned to you and your assistant Lauren before, I'm already thinking about ways I can move out of here. Don't of, tell the rest of the open team. I know, yeah, <laughs> a lot of beautiful. people say that. It's so nice. Is this your first time in Hawaii? First time in Hawaii, yeah. Well, what about your fiance? First time for her too. And congratulations, by the way. How long <laughs> have you, you guys been together? We've been together four years. We took a little break for about a year and then came back and I popped the question recently. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, so I want to get into your story and I'm wondering if you could just share a little bit about how, what led you to, you know, the place that you are at today at mm. teaching people with meditation and mindfulness. How did you get to where you are right now? Mm. Um, I mean, there's so many different factors. I feel that always leads you to a particular point in your life or a place in your life. So there wasn't necessarily one particular thing, but, you know, I, I grew up in Sri Lanka uh, the first six years of my life. And I had this connection to spirituality, which I didn't really understand fully at that point. You know, we lived close to a monastery, so there were lots of monks, Buddhist monks, lots of temples. We heard the chimes, the songs, the chanting. Um, and there was some sort of connection there, but I didn't quite get what it was. Um, and it wasn't until we migrated to Australia and, you know, in my 20s, um, was working in banking and finance and advertising, and I had a panic attack that um, I had to really rediscover what those early moments really meant for me. And, and they formed part of um, the healing that I experienced. And, you know, I went through uh, a really bad period of physical and, and mental health, um, ranging from, you know, extreme insomnia, anxiety, panic attacks, depression, to um, like physical ailments. Like I had disordered eating. My mother was looking after me for a period of time. Uh, and it was reconnecting to spirituality um, that really began to help me, first of all, understand my mind and, and in the process, um, understand what was going to help me get well and, and get better. And so then you journeyed on to this like meditation journey. And like, how did you start to see how powerful it was in your own life? Yeah, I mean, like I was I was, I was like an alpha male growing I mean, I, I don't know if that term even means much these days, but like, you know, I remember growing up and I was playing all the sports. I was, I had a big group of male friends. We'd go drinking, we'd go partying. Like that was my life for such a long period of time. And I never would have thought that yoga, meditation, any of that would offer me any sort of value. I used to look at it. I'm like, what a waste of time. I could stretch at home and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, going through that period of, of being really sick, I tried lots of different Western um, avenues for, for getting well, like psychologists, psychiatrists, medication. I had an addiction at a, at a certain point to some of the medication. And it was a very strange set of circumstances that eventually led me to a class. And essentially, my friend came over one day. He's like, hey, come and do a yoga class with me. And I was like, no, I don't own any Lululemon. I can't go. And he's like, no, no, come. It'll be great. And I'm like, no, I can't even touch my toes. And he's like, no, but there's lots of hot girls there, so come. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, I'll go. And you know, I, was, I was pretty unwell, you know, physically. I was emaciated at that point. 
but um, he sent me the details of the, of the teacher and I looked at him and he was this really beautiful looking Sri Lankan man. He looked, I couldn't tell if he was male or was female because, you know, he had such a, a beautiful like eyes and cheeks and chin. And I remember sending him an email saying, these are all my problems. <laughs> and um, he messaged me back, you know, within an hour and he's like, I've been waiting for you. Come tomorrow. And um, that was the first moment I was like, this is weird. Like, did my friend say something? Mm-hmm. And um, I remember going to class and no hot girls there, by the way. Um, <laughs> it was all like people over the age of 60 and 70 that were there. And he was teaching like really gentle stretches. And then he was uh, teaching essentially Buddhist meditation practice and mindfulness. And he was talking a lot about understanding suffering and understanding the mind and how the mind causes so much of our suffering. And then also how the suffering wasn't personal. It wasn't my suffering. It wasn't me that was anxious and all that sort of stuff. And um, I had a moment in that class where I really began to observe the thoughts that were going through my mind. You know, you're a failure. You're never going to be well again. What are you going to do for work? All of these different things. And there was a moment of, of real separation between me and what I was observing and that was the first moment of as I like to think of it conscious mindfulness I was able to witness my my mind without really attaching everything that was happening in my mind to who I was and then I came back the next day and the next day next day and actually ended up studying with him every day for eight years Um, at a certain point I thought I was going to be a monk I was going to go to Sri Lanka take robes go down that path but decided not to do that and again fell into teaching because um, you know at one point I was dating someone and I wanted to impress her and she was doing a yoga teacher training and I'm like oh okay I'll, I'll come with you and I'll do yoga teacher training and I did the training with no intention of being a teacher and then the studio asked me to teach afterwards and at that point my meditation teacher was was seeing all of this happening and he was seeing that I had a, a talent for teaching and he asked me to come and teach at his studio, which could only fit like 12 people. And um, the rest is kind of history from there. It's amazing. I am definitely going to be honest here and meditation is something I've never given enough time to really develop any kind of practice with it. Any time that I've you know, taking the time, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do like a five minute, 10 minute meditation, you know, click on something. And normally I'm finding just like that immediate discomfort of just sitting alone with nothing to to even, you're supposed to just observe your thoughts, right? right? Even just that, it can be uncomfortable. And I think that's one reason why so many people struggle to make it a normal practice. And I also am the type of person too where I'm like, okay, what's going to give me the most bang for my buck? I have a super busy life. I don't have time for this meditation junk. <laughs> you know, like I'm like when I'm working out, like for my my sister loves yoga. And mm-hmm. when she got into yoga, she found such a transformation of her life, not only physically, but emotionally, spiritually. She found it super beneficial to her life. And I would tell her, like, I don't have time for yoga. You know, I got I got five kids, four, four kids at the time, or maybe three when she started. I can't remember. Um, and so I'm like, I just want to do the shortest workouts I can do that is going to give me the, the biggest results physically. Mm. Never considering, like, the emotional benefits to things like meditation and mind, mm. mindfulness, breath work, any of that stuff. Mm. It's so often for me to just be like, okay, well, I got to get this done. This is the maximum benefits. I'm going to see the best physical results and the kids are all over me and everything. But then I opened your app for the first time and I clicked on, um, it was a meditation one and, and you were speaking and you said a quote that was something about if you don't have time to meditate, 
then you should sit for an hour or <laughs> something like yeah. that. And that just hit me like, wow, yeah, like I, re- I really should be making that a priority. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's worthwhile understanding why you should be making it a priority because for so long we've been told meditation is good for you. And even me, before I went to a class, everyone's like, oh, you should meditate. It's like when people say to you, you know, you should drink this or you should try this diet. I'm like, yeah, and it, conceptually it makes a lot of sense that I should do that, but I've got a mind that, I had a mind that couldn't stay still and I was diagnosed with ADHD. So my mind was all over the place. Um, I was busy. I was, you know, very high powered job. I was very young. I was very stressed out, very burnt out, drinking too much caffeine, all of those things. Um, So first of all, it's understanding why, why should we meditate? And yes, there are obvious health benefits that come from there, but it's also understanding that the smallest amount of time that you can invest in, first of all, just Exiting the mind momentarily and being with the body is an investment in how you interact with the rest of the world. You know, so for example, you know, you spend so much of your time with your kids, right? Uh, and I have a daughter as well. And if you you know, like there are times when you're so stressed and thinking about other things that you feel that connection to your kids is really difficult. You know, you might be there, but you're not really there. And we all do it. And it's very human. So it's not like it's a bad thing that we all go through meditation does it it gives you an opportunity to momentarily disconnect from the hamster wheel of life where we feel like we have to do things we have to go somewhere there's a natural sense of urgency that is hardwired into our body and our mind where we feel like we have to do this we have to do that we have to do that and we all do have to do so many things but it's not as urgent as we actually think it is and what happens when we, for a moment, we drop out of what we have to do and our schedules and our plans and our ideas, and we just drop into the body, we begin to, to enter into this feeling state where we can start to feel, oh, what, what does this moment feel like? Not from the mind, but like, ah, like what does it feel like in the body and what emotions are going on underneath here? And when someone is communicating with you, you're not trying, you're not present with them just so you can respond to them you actually feel their energy. And it's a whole different way of moving through the world, I find. And I wish for the first half of my daughter's life, I had, I had this skill. She's 21 now. She's, she's an old woman. <laughs> but, um, you know, the first half of my, her, her life, I wasn't, I wasn't doing this practice and I was always disconnected from her. But the next, you know, 10, 15 years of her life, I was deeply present to her. So I could be there and relate to her on an emotional level. Um, so first, understanding why meditation is important is great. We know what the science tells us, helps us with sleep, it helps us with our anxiety, depression, focus, performance, all of those wonderful things. But for me, on a more practical level, meditation helps me be present to the things that I want to be present for. Um, Full stop. (laughs) And then the side benefits of that is that you naturally become more compassionate, you become kinder, because you have to be kind to yourself in the process, because you start to see that your mind and you are actually quite crazy and that's okay <laughs> and it's normal and so you find this sense of ease within yourself and then you relate to the world in a much different way um, the person i was before i began a practice was someone that was constantly consuming the world and i was thinking about what i could get what i could do and where i could go and and take 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 and the opposite after i began a meditation practice is to relate to my world a lot differently to become more conscious to choose wisely to choose to recycle instead of throw out my rubbish to choose to eat 
foods that will nourish me as opposed to eat foods that will that are just going to satiate me in that moment because I'm anxious and I want something to you know get rid of the anxiety so it develops this quality of consciousness um, that can be helpful not just for your for yourself at work to perform better but also outside of work yeah and then it's actually finding a practice that um, that you can actually do you know five kids I wouldn't even know how to like manage five kids but um, you know you might only have five minutes if you're lucky a day so what can you do for five minutes every single day that's going to build this skill within you and it's a bit like going to the gym and doing squats let's say right mm -hmm. if you do squats once a week um, it might be great but you're probably not going to see much benefit from that over a period of time right it's better than nothing but it's also not really going to develop any sort of muscle there and it's like meditation as well if you all you do is five minutes every single day you'll begin to see a change in your life as opposed to maybe sitting 30 minutes once a week so these little incremental moments where you're deeply present deeply cultivating your mind you're refining your mind can really add up and it won't show in the practice it'll show like when you're interacting with your kids or when you're interacting with your husband or when you're interacting with food or your own mind you know all those quiet moments and then you'll realize oh when i have nothing to do and there's no one else there i'm actually okay mm -hmm. like this moment is actually kind of i'm fine with myself i love that i love that so much i was gonna ask you too like for anybody who's intimidated at the thought of like starting a meditation practice like how to start and that that was just perfect that's a great a great tidbit there exactly like how to just do it from the beginning and I want to have you ex like expand on that but before I love that you brought it and connected it to parenting because a lot of the parenting like authors that I'm reading and talking to on the podcast one of the biggest advice they give is when you're having an interaction with your child it's easy to become very rea reactionary because mm. we're just like you said we're so busy we're stressed we have so much going on in our mind so when something happens with the kids that is take some thoughtfulness and how to respond it's easy for us to just react and the number one like advice is to pause mm. before you respond pause take a deep breath and then then respond because yeah. then you're in your body and then you can be present you know because yeah. it's so easy to just be doing this grabbing that holding holding one kid on one arm and you know all the other things you got going on yeah and that's like such a human way of interacting with the world um victor frankel once had this amazing quote um i'm gonna butcher it i always forget it when i have to like <laughs> retell it but um between stimulus and a response there is a space and in that space is your power to choose your response and in your response is your doorway to freedom i think it's something like mm. that and the stimulus often as parents can be the, the little thing that you didn't plan for right kids about to eat like a bug or something like that <laughs> or they're about to drop a plate of pasta yeah um, or they did they, drop a plate of pasta or they did yeah. drop a plate of pasta um and then your natural response is so automatic because it's habituated into your nervous system based on your psychology right and so what mindfulness gives you is that space that space is mindfulness it's that space that you get to choose okay how am I gonna respond right now am I gonna respond and be like angry and yell which could have a whole host of ramifications in that moment forget long term but even in that moment right um, or can I take a moment notice okay this is really bad I've been triggered I can feel the anger I can feel the disappointment I can feel the frustration and I can allow it to pass and then I can respond. And the second way can be much 
more skillful for how the rest of your day is going to go or maybe the next 20 minutes when you don't have a screaming kid right right there and then or um, it can be the opposite and it takes time right like I, I, I hear all of the apprehension from so many people that I've been teaching to and it's been thousands over 15 years right now and the invitation is to begin slowly and to give yourself some grace and give yourself some compassion um, but you know when I think about having kids right now, I'm just so grateful that I have a practice that can give me that space because honestly, I don't know how I would do it without it. Mm. And I'm so in awe of all the mothers and fathers out there that can do it you know, yeah. that, that don't have a practice. And I'm like, teach me your ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it, it can only benefit to start, like you said, to just start five minutes a day. Mm. So for anybody listening, Jack, definitely go to the open app, which is mm-hmm. it's just your app is the most beautiful app I've ever ever seen and I open it and I just feel like this is where I'm supposed to be and I want to make it a priority when I'm there so I started doing the meditation practices and the breath work is be is like so I feel like that's like a whole nother level can you explain breath work the power of that and why we should do it yeah so um you know our app's been designed for people that have been thinking for the longest time I can't meditate and so we're like, what are the doorways into this very human quality of presence and connection? And so, you know, there are moments, for example, you when you're with one of your kids, that you're very mindful, right? And all of us, all of us have moments, whether we're out surfing, whether we're cooking, there are moments when all of our, our attention and our awareness, and we're in these flow states, are on the experience that we're having. But there's also ways to tap into that. And meditation is one way. But breathwork is also another way. And breathwork has been around as long as meditation has been around. Um, you know, from all the way in the Judeo-Christian times to, you know, the uh, yogis that taught ways to control this thing that we all have, which is our breath, to elicit a certain feeling. Meditation is something that changes your mind over a period of time. Breathwork is something that changes your physiological state just like that. And, um, you know, if you are feeling tired, you can do literally five breaths of... <laughs> And you'll be like, oh, something's changed, right? Um, or if you know, you're about to go to sleep and you're feeling really wired, you can do a breathing practice that will calm your nervous system down. The difference with meditation is meditation is more a skill that evolves over time that 100% think will change your mind and change your life. But the immediacy of breathwork is something that you can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. And when you combine the two, um, for people that say they can't meditate, you're able to first of all be like, oh, okay, I feel different. It's like when you do 10 burpees, right? You're like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, like I feel different. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same thing because for so long everyone that meditates has been like, is it working? Like I don't know because mm-hmm. it's so subtle. Mm-hmm. But breath work is something that's so immediate. And there's a whole range from breathwork that's been invented 3,000 years ago to breathwork that they've used on Navy SEALs and, you know, um, NBA players. All of it allows you to change your physiological state to a desired outcome, which is a slight difference to meditation, which is you don't know how your outcome is going to change. And it takes a subtle amount of time to actually get there. Mm-hmm. So would you say people should listen to a breathwork class and then do um a meditation one or do you does it matter which order no it doesn't really matter and, yeah. and i think so much of meditation is experimenting yeah um when when you're new to meditation practice a lot of people like guided meditations mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you might you know oh i like this person's voice yeah you know, i don't really connect with this person's voice mm-hmm. um oh i like this 
style of technique and not this style of technique. I find for people that um, have a really overactive mind, breathwork is a really good place to begin with, a down-regulative breathwork practice. And then from there, <clears throat> they've got to experience presence perhaps for the very first time. And then they can add on like a five-minute meditation practice. Um, you know, me, I still do my, my sequence of meditation every day for the last 16 years is... Uh, 10 minute breathwork practice, a 15 minute meditation practice, and then another 20 minute meditation practice. I sequence that on. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's a cool way to begin to, to explore these practices. And does it matter what time of the day that you do it? I, I'm guessing you're gonna be like, anytime, just get it in, but yeah. does it matter? I mean, it, de it depends. Mm -hmm. I find the time when your mind is the least active personally, mm -hmm. and for the majority of people I've taught, is the morning because they've just woken up, they haven't maybe checked their phones, maybe they don't have a screaming child jumping yeah. on them. <laughs> um, so if, uh, you know, for parents, it's definitely wherever you can do it. Mm -hmm. um, but ideally, if you can find a, a consistent time to do it, that's yeah. great because it then becomes a ritual. You know, you ritualize the experience of sitting in a place. This is your time. Even if it's five minutes, you can do it. Um, but honestly, like any time of day is great. Um, but you just find it where you, where you just get it in where you can fit it in. Yeah. yeah. For me, I'm finding it uh, easiest to do is after the kids go to bed because mm. they're all asleep and I know no one's going to be like coming in or interrupting yeah. and I can just, okay, everyone is down. That's when I can really decompress because I know everyone's safe and sound and asleep. Yeah. For me, the morning is definitely like as soon as I wake up, like I'm being woken up by little, right. by little <laughs> children. <laughs> yeah. I mean, then there's two ways we experience mindfulness. One is through the practice, which, mm -hmm. which you're doing in the evening. But then another way we cultivate the same qualities is through what we call the informal practice of mindfulness. We all want beautiful, comfortable clothing that's also flattering to your body. Indigo Luna is yoga chic. These are the types of clothes that you can rock day to day, whether you're at home doing dishes, going to your favorite yoga class, or shopping at the grocery store. Well, at least the grocery store part works for Maui standards. I'm not sure if anywhere else it really works, because here, if you see someone wearing heels and a pencil skirt at the grocery store in Hawaii, it's clear that they don't live here. Anyways, Indigo Luna has ethically made yoga wear, swimwear, intimates, and loungewear. They are slow fashion and sustainably sourced with beautiful, simple shapes, earthy colors, and plant dyes from recycled or organic materials. Everything is cut, sewn, and dyed by a loving human hand, and they ensure that every person involved in production works in comfortable, safe conditions. I love supporting companies with conscious practices. It feels good to vote with my dollars in this way, and it really is a win-win situation here because these clothes feel so comfortable on my body. They hug and hold my curves just right. So enter the code Ellen10 for 10% off your order or click the link in my show notes. Which I'm sure you do so much in your day, which is just being present to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, when when your one of your children is talking to you, you're really listening. You're not mm -hmm. on your phone. <clears throat> when you're cooking, you're really smelling the aromas, you're touching the ingredients. Like when your senses are immersed in one moment, that's also mindfulness. So the combination of those two, you're, you're really building that skill of, of mindfulness. It's, yeah. it's not just the meditation that, that's important. Uh, one of my teachers used to say, like, it's no point meditating for five minutes every day and then being a jerk for the rest of the day, right? You're not really developing that skill. So um, you take what you're doing for five minutes into your day and you're really creating a holistic mindfulness experience. Yeah, because I think so many people, whether they have a lot of kids or not, you end up finding ways within yourself to feel busy. Mm. You, like almost everyone I know feels busy. Like if right. you say, oh, how are you? Oh, good, just busy. 
You know, yeah. that's almost always the answer, yeah. no matter whether you have five kids or one or none or whatever. <laughs> it's kind of crazy how our culture is like that. I know. Right? Like we, I think we, we glorify it a lot. Um, mm. And I'm sure genu- genuinely people are busy. No, but, but we do. We definitely do. We do glorify it. And I also think it's, we don't know how to rest. And rest for some of us is like, I'll just be on my phone doom scrolling mm-hmm. while I'm resting um, or I'll be, you know, doing things that aren't really restful. So it's, it's, a, it's a cultural thing that a lot of us are, are, are grappling with, myself included. Mm-hmm. And even in the, especially in the age of social media and tech and mm-hmm. how we've become so much more accustomed to um getting a bunch of things at once like like even most people probably listening to this podcast aren't just sitting down listening to a podcast they're probably driving they're probably cooking they're they're doing something else or at least that's a lot of times when i'm listening to podcasts um or or anything else like tiktok the age of tiktok and how it has made our attention span so so short eight seconds (laughs) actually eight seconds yeah and um it was funny. I read this article. It was about 15 years old now, 10 years old, where um, goldfish used to be eight seconds and we used to be nine seconds. So it was like one of the shortest attention spans ever. And now we've dropped below that. Wow. And um, <laughs> for anyone that's watched, like, is it Finding Dora or Finding Dory? Um, it talks about Dory's friend that was always forgetting stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like that sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. in my day. I'm like, I'm always, what, what was I doing? Yeah. And, you know, probably had that moment where you've gone for a drive and you're like how did i get here like what roads did i cross mm-hmm. or you've gone to the next room and you're like what did i come to do mm-hmm. and um and that's just a byproduct of how much we're overworking our mind yeah you know and, and how dopamine it leaves our body we're craving that and how exhausted we most of us are yeah and i i also think some things are just kind of inevitable too like taking kids for example that yeah. we've mentioned there was one time when all the kids were outside watering the plants with andrew after the kids had we, we had all eaten dinner and I was washing the dishes and that hadn't happened for a while. Like normally there's at least a few kids in the house or someone's like talking to me or helping me do the dishes or whatever. I was just by myself doing the dishes and nothing else. And I was like, this feels incredible. Yeah. <laughs> like nothing. There was nothing else. I, I was thoroughly enjoying my dishwashing time. I'm like, this is so peaceful right now. And not, not that I don't enjoy the chaos. I do. That's the reason why I had five kids. I love my children. I love being with them. And Andrew and I often say, oh, I can't even imagine if we had only had three. If we stopped at three, life would be so boring. Yeah. <laughs> we think it's so much fun having all five of them together and Totally. But there are moments for sure where I'm like, wow, like what it feels like to just be doing one thing at a time. Well, it's so interesting you say that because, you know, one of the the seminal pieces of research that a lot of mindfulness researchers talk about is a piece um, called uh, A Wandering Mind is an Unhappy Mind. It's by um, two researchers called Killingsworth and Gilbert. And they did this research piece on uh, on happiness and, and attention. And what they showed is that it doesn't matter where your mind, it doesn't matter what you're thinking about. Right? So you could be here thinking about a holiday, thinking about a, a pleasant moment. You're still not as happy as doing an activity where you're fully engaged. So the example of you really being present to washing those dishes, you're registering so much more happiness right in that moment than if you were sitting you know, idly. Maybe you're mowing the lawn, but you're thinking about this holiday that's mm. coming up. And um, it really speaks to the power of attention. You know, where, where our mind goes, energy really flows, as they say. And um, it can be anything. It can be washing dishes. It could be gardening. It could be cleaning toilets. But if you're really engaged there, that there's something within your neural circuits that actually registers a sense of happiness in your body. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about um, practicing like detachment in our lives and the benefits to that? 
Yeah, I think, you know, um, detachment is probably not the word I would use. Mm. I, I think the word I would use is non-attachment. Mm. And um, the, the distinction there is detachment, it feels like we have to get rid of something. It feels mm. like we have to, like, cut something off. Oh, yeah, true. Um, whereas non-attachment is just recognizing that there are things in our life that we don't have to hook onto and um, develop a sense of identity around or cling to because clinging to anything really causes suffering um, in, in our tradition. Um, so non-attachment really is a way in which we can cultivate more happiness, contentment in our lives. And an example of that could be um, our bodies. Right? So many of us are attached to the way we look and uh, we do all sorts of things to change how we look, to feel how we look. But we know inevitably our bodies change over time. You know, I'm sure your body changed after you had your first child, right? Mm -hmm. My body's changed after I started a tech, you know, app and stuff like that. Um, and so if we can begin to understand there is this thing within us that is constantly changing and evolving, not just our bodies, but our financial situations, our relationships, our relationships change over time. And so what we tend to do is we get attached to how things are at any one given moment, you know, and an example is the honeymoon period of a relationship. So many people are like, oh, it was so good. Like he or she or they were so amazing at this point in time. Like now they just don't look at me or they don't acknowledge me or they don't want to spend the same amount of time with me. But it's, it's the reality that things change, right? I'm sure you and your husband, when you had the honeymoon period to like you with five kids is so different, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and, and so recognizing how everything is in a constant state of flux, in a constant uh, state of change, allows us to not be attached to things. Now, if we can cultivate this sense of non-attachment to many different areas of our life, our feelings, all these things, then it just allows us to not be as stressed and as and experience as much mental tension as we sometimes tend to do. But this is really hard, you know, because we are so attached to so many things because it gives us meaning and it gives us an identity in our lives. So that's where practices like meditation can really help us. Um, but also just really reflecting on things like for anyone listening or watching right now, like what am I unwilling to let go of right now? think of it like that and it can sometimes be a memory it can sometimes be you know this relationship that ended five years ago i'm not willing to give that up or it could be the 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 fact that we hate our ex or we have ill feeling towards them um because it feels good to to have that feeling and sometimes it's scary to not be attached because mm -hmm. then it's just us and it's an unknown sort of quality and feeling but really there is a tremendous freedom that naturally arises after that when you're not attached to things um, you can move through the world with a lot more freedom now it doesn't mean things aren't painful when things end um, but it means you can move through them a little bit more quicker because you embody whatever it is you're feeling and you realize that it's not personal this is just life mm -hmm. things are always changing just the awareness of of everything you just described for non-attachment is something that I think a lot of us aren't even thinking about. And for example, you brought up, we are, we are attached to our looks even just right before this podcast. I'm like fixing my hair, checking my makeup. <laughs> and I think a lot of it is driven. 
our attachment is driven by fear, mm. like what you said. So for me, it might be fear of being criticized, fear of people thinking that I'm I look a certain way in a negative light, and that fear drives. Oh, I gotta make sure that I my hair looks good and my makeup. Like that's the attachment you're talking about. So if, if that wasn't there, if I had that non-attachment, how much easier it is to just be present in the moment yeah. that you're talking about. Yeah, um, and you know, there's some natural things that we're always gonna do, and and it's fine, and we shouldn't too much about it right but um <laughs> i was doing the same thing for everyone watching i'm like is my shirt okay like, like, um but i i think it's kind of first of all identifying the feeling that's driving that mm -hmm. right like oh there's a fear where is this fear in my body mm -hmm. what is it what does it feel like and then for example fear for me sometimes i feel it in my chest it's like the heart beating quickly or there's a tightness and if I'm really present to it, if I meditate on, okay, just the feeling of the fear, then I might start to naturally recognize that the fear is based on something that happened like 20 years ago mm -hmm. or this idea that I have to look a certain way in order to please my mom or my dad or society or culture. And then we can begin to understand the fear and then we can lose our attachment to that. Mm -hmm. right? If we can understand where that fear comes from, we can just let it go. If we're willing to do that, if we're capable and well-resourced enough to do it. But um, it takes a little bit of time to get yeah. there, right? And that is so similar to what I was talking about before we started this podcast interview when I was talking about my friend Heather McKean about the mind change mm. method. It really goes back to what's the original source of why you have this this feeling? Where did mm. you first learn that this is your truth, that this mm. is the truth, right? What's the first time, the story, the pictures, the images, the feeling in your gut that you felt or your chest, like you said, and then you, you have to acknowledge those, go to it and be willing to rework, rework those memories or like mm. you said, let it go is a very similar type thing because a lot of the things in the mind change method that I was talking to you about um, is about letting it go. So mm. there might be an image. Like if you're feeling, if you're feeling your um, emotions based on through a picture, like for you, you said like it was a physical feeling. Mm. So it's like letting go of a physical feeling of your chest. But if it's a picture, you can have the picture of putting those feelings and that story in a box and then attaching it to a balloon and letting it float away. And like mm. that, I feel like that is part of a, like a meditation practice. Yeah. I mean, there are so many different ways for us to process um, negative thoughts, feelings, and emotions, or unhelpful thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And, and that sounds like a great way to do it. Another way to do it is just to feel it, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and so much of the discomfort we feel in our lives is because we're unwilling to feel what we should feel. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if someone breaks up with us, that hurts. Yeah. And like, allow it to hurt, mm -hmm. allow it to hurt, allow it to really break your heart and then, then let it go. Because yes. it, it heals over time. Because if you look at impermanence and you know, how things constantly change, relationships change and perhaps they end. But then that feeling of pain also ends mm -hmm. at some point. Yeah. You know, and then you'll move into a place of happiness. Mm -hmm. But um, a lot of what we do is we move through the world, um, on our emotional world, avoiding feelings and, and kind of dodging them yeah. and trying to make sense of them and creating a story around it where it's sometimes quicker and more helpful to just feel it absolutely and then absolutely yeah. yeah and that actually is part of the mind change like you mm. figure out where the source was that you go and make it as strong as possible in your mind mm. and you let yourself feel it and then after you've done that then you can like rework it and let it that's go that's beautiful yeah. yeah so how can you be more present and connected in your life like you gave the examples some little examples but like in what way other than just taking a breath can you practice that better as you're going through it for anybody because a lot of people feel busy yeah I mean just connect to your senses mm -hmm. throughout the course of your day 
is a good one to do. Um, you know, being out here in Maui is really beautiful because there's so many beautiful sounds. And any moment that I feel really, you know, in my head, I just list, I just notice what I'm hearing. And I'll hear all, like, is that a frog you were saying before? Yeah, cocoa frog. Cocoa frog. I'm hearing, like, frog sounds. I'm hearing bird sounds. There's a distant lawnmower. Like, there's so many things going on. And so the moment you tune out of the head and you tune into your senses, you're already connected to the present moment. Another, another great exercise is if you're in transit, if you're on a train or if you're driving, just notice like what your clothes feel like against your body. Maybe not if you're driving because it might be a little dangerous, but um, <laughs> if you're in a train or if you're in transit somehow, um, you know, plant your feet onto the ground. Notice what the feet feel like against your shoes or the earth or what your shirt feels like against your skin or... Um, you know, what your hand feels like against your thigh. Again, you're, you're dropping out of the mind and you're having a very somatic mindfulness experience right there. And another simple one is to just drop completely into the body and just ask yourself, what am I feeling right now? And not try to make sense of what you're feeling or process what you're feeling or understand it, but just like drop in and what am I feeling? And you might notice like for me, sometimes there's like a bit of anxiety in my chest and I can just be with the heart beating quickly like that. And I'm like, oh, cool. Right now I'm feeling this. And already I'm present with my reality. Um, so there are so many different ways. If you're eating food, like a really cool way is like when you're eating, notice all the different flavors as you eat. So many of us, and me, by the way, went to this. I got to give a shout out to like Maui pies. Um, <laughs> had the most insane uh, banana cream pie. Oh, I know what you're talking about. You know, I know so it's good. so good. And my fiance is looking at me and she's like, you just literally inhaled that because I'm like, oh, so great. And she's like on her first bite. And um, a way to practice mindful eating is to like take a bite, smell it, look at it, look at all the textures, look at all the different things that are there, put it in your mouth, like notice really before swallowing all the different flavors that are happening in your mouth Then swallow it. Wait for a moment, notice what the aftertaste is like and eat in a way like that, that first of all, you'll become full so quickly you won't eat as much you'll enjoy your food a lot more um, and you savor that experience and you're also essentially having a mindful experience as you eat so there are so many different ways to, to experience mindfulness if you tune into your senses in mm -hmm. that same way i think it's become a really big normalcy for people to not just sit and eat in quiet it's right. almost always with somebody else or on your phone or just doing work at the same time and you really can't do what you just described. Yeah. yeah. And also people might be like, okay, but why, why should I do that? Yeah. But really, like you said, the science really is there on the benefits of not feeling so stressed out all day. Yeah. Like that is just, that's a longevity tool right there. <laughs> you know, what's really apparent on this trip is that, you know, us humans aren't meant to go at the pace that culture is asking us to go at. Um, and that's true, whatever your job is these days, you know, if, if you're an average person connected to the internet, like you're going at, at a certain speed that feels really difficult. And some people are built like that. Some people can operate at that speed. And mm -hmm. I'm always like, so I, I, I think I need to be like that person. I'm like, oh, this person's going like that. I can do it. And then, you know, you're served all of these ads on Instagram saying, you know, just grind, just hustle, just do this. And you start to think, yeah, there's something wrong with me if I don't go at that pace. And 
what I've come to the conclusion of is that some of us are a bit more sensitive and our gifts are in, in doing other, other things, you know, like um, being in touch with people and really understanding nature. And there's so many different things that that becomes your superpower that for the majority of people going at that pace just isn't sustainable. You can go for a period of time, but then you crash and burn like, like I tend to do often. Um, and so it's really understanding like what is your speed? what's your speed and um, if you're if you're going at a quick speed then really take those moments to unwind wind down and rest because that speed for anyone isn't really sustainable for a long period of time yeah I think what goes up must come down right totally I, I have the the struggle of just wanting to do so many things like I never feel like there's enough time because time is like our greatest value it's like totally. the most important thing that we give away every single day right mm. so what are we giving our time for and I, I always have the if someone asks what's the superpower you could have if you could have a superpower it would be to pause time mm. so I could just pause it get everything done I want to get done and then click play because yeah. <laughs> I just never by the end of every day it's like oh, there's so many things on my list yeah. but like you said so much of the stuff that we think is urgent isn't actually as urgent as we make it out to yeah. be yeah and, and it takes like a, a, a meditation mindfulness awareness practice to realize that things begin to move a little slower when your mind moves a little slower. Mm. And if you're constantly attached to, you know, the internet, social media, your phone, calendars, you're going to be expected to move at a certain pace. But when you slow it down, when you slow yourself down, it doesn't mean like you become less um, disciplined or you perform less, but it means things just move in slow motion for you and you have the resources to be able to do it. It's kind of like that matrix scene where they kind of, going in slow motion it's it's like that you know you, you can see things unfolding and you're not reactive at that moment you can yeah. you can go at a pace where you're just meeting it and yeah. it becomes just a lot healthier i mean i've definitely met people who have a very consistent meditation practice mm. and i can feel the difference like mm. they're in my house and i'm just like aren't we aren't we supposed to <laughs> why are you so calm yeah. <laughs> you know i know you feel like there's something wrong with you you're like why am i like because uh, like it, but it brings awareness like yeah. oh wait i'm operating at this super fast speed and i mean it just makes me think of relationships when you talked about how different our relationships were at the beginning to where they are now i had mentioned something recently to my husband like oh i, I would love it if we could like make the space to just sit and talk more and he's mm. like what are you talking about we talk all the time we talk all day and i'm like <laughs> Oh yeah, like okay, you're going to baseball practice. Bye. Or oh, oh you're changing the baby's diaper. Okay, good. Okay, I'm gonna make lunch. You you do the kids' homeschool. I'll do, like that's not talking. Yeah, <laughs> that's not the type of talking I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Intentionality. You know? mm -hmm. It's like five minutes. Let's just like, let's just be here. Yeah. In this moment. Let's and just sit and talk. It's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. yeah. So and I empathize. For some people too, like talking, like different personalities, right? Some people are more into the talking and some people are more quiet. That's one thing that like drew me to my husband because mm. he was like just more quiet and I'm mm. such a talkative person. That's why I started a podcast because I love talking. <laughs> <laughs> but he's so good at like being quiet and listening, which mm. is really also part of mindfulness living i think yeah it must be a beautiful balance between you two it is it's good it's pretty good <laughs> at certain times someone had said in the last uh, conversation i had i mentioned something about how i have a lot of feelings and that my husband might be like okay we got more feelings all right let's be ready for it she's like well that's probably why he was drawn to you in the first place mm. was because of your big feelings and yeah. he might not even realize that that was one thing that drew him to you because you have something that maybe he's not doing right you bring it out in him and vice versa i know so can you talk about your app a little bit, your open app? What, how did you start it and how did it come to be? 
Yeah, I mean, so it's it's really a, a beautiful team effort. Um, there's three co-founders um, that I met during the pandemic, actually, just before the pandemic, and they each bring this really unique skill set. Peter is incredible when it comes to the tech. Uh, Riot is our CEO, is incredible at managing the whole company. And I really bring experience around the experience and yeah. content and recruiting and teachers. And together, um, our desire was to really bring more people into this world of mindfulness because there were so many barriers. You know, when I started practicing, there was no one my age, first of all, that was doing it. And it felt so formal. It felt like there was something wrong with me if I looked at everyone next to me and they were just so serene and still I'm like holy shit like I'm there's something really wrong with me but we learn now that the evolution of mindfulness is really about um, dropping it's not really about the mind so much it's more about integrating the mind and the body and so somatic mindfulness it has is having a bit of a renaissance and somatic mindfulness is experiencing mindfulness through the the physic the physicality of your experience right um and so breath work is one doorway into that which is so immediate and so quick that anyone can really do it because everyone is breathing and if you're not breathing then don't know if you're alive right now yeah <laughs> um so anyone can have access to that but then there are movement practices that really offer you this moment where you can be working hard and be mindful right mm-hmm. you can just stop as you're working hard and be like oh, what's going on inside yeah and you're like oh you notice the heart beating quickly cool or you can be working out really hard and the teacher's drawing attention to what you're feeling yeah or checking in with your breath um or bringing attention to what the physical experience is like when you're in a yoga shape Yes. And so cultivating awareness is like an evolution of what mindfulness is. And, and it's even like that in your hit in the hit classes. I feel like yeah. I'm hearing sounds better in the, these classes, just like the way the way that you're highlighting certain sounds and then the way that they're reminding you to check in with your body and your breath, like yeah. even in the hit classes, which I love. Yeah, thank you. So um, then we've got the most incredible teachers, you know, we could find all around the world from um, London, Canada, Australia, um, the US, and you know they're all based in, in Venice. And we deliver classes that anyone can join from all around the world and they can do live classes. So a lot of, we started this during the pandemic and one of the problems was everyone was alone. They were by themselves. And mindfulness is so much more than just yourself. It's about how you interact with each other. It cultivates connection. So we developed um, technology that enables you to practice with people and chat to people that are in the class at the same time. So you can be like, hey, Mary, how are you doing? How's your dog? And I see this every time when I'm about to join a class and I'm like, oh, my dog's great. How's your cat? You know? <laughs> um, and then they can turn on their cameras and then I get to see them That's in so their cool. living rooms. And then they can obviously interact with me interact with each other we practice together um so yeah we've got this incredible technology that that really connects you to a community of practitioners and these aren't your run-of-the-mill like everyone's like a serious meditator everyone just has like lives and they're trying to like learn and grow and it's just someone like me like i'm like okay i need to i need to start this let's do it yeah yeah everyone just like figuring it out so um yeah it's it's a really beautiful app and i think you mentioned the design of it earlier on and the design is is intentional because people are drawn to beautiful things Mm -hmm. and uh, it's just a natural naturally ingrained within us oh my gosh yes like that is so so true like there's other apps that i've that i've gone to like movement apps and try to and there's something different about yours it just attracts me to it because of its beauty and its aesthetic yeah it's a mindful design like we've really 
thought about how can we design an app that people are, like a want to be associated with, but mm-hmm. also people want to engage with in, in ways. So um, that's from everything that our production staff have done, so that's the set design to like all the different you know practices that you can do. Um, it's just a really it's just another way to get you into the practice, really. Yeah. And so. I, I'm so glad that you brought up breathwork being just a little bit more attainable for people who are new mm-hmm. to it because I definitely found that to be the case. When I started doing the breathwork classes, I'm like, okay, I can definitely do this. The meditation I find so intimidating still, mm-hmm. but that's just something I – just for me, it's my mind. Like when I, I do it, I sit down, but five minutes is doable for yeah. sure. Like I can, I can do five minutes. <laughs> I think a good way to think about it for you is yes. to let go of the expectation. Right. Like, I don't, it's like, let's just experiment. Like maybe I'm not going to come out feeling calm or whatever it is, but like, let's just treat it as I call it the lab. Like in my life, I have these moments where I'm like, oh, let's go into the lab and see what happens. So I might do, you know, I might do fasting for like two weeks. It's, it's a lab experience. Or I might try Pilates for two weeks. It's like a lab. Or I might try just green juices or whatever it is. And at the end of it, I'm like, oh, do I feel different? Does something change? I'm, and then I'm like, oh, maybe I'll stick with it. Or maybe I, I won't do it. And that's okay, right? Then you can go back to breath work or yoga or movement mm-hmm. practice. But if people think of meditation as being like a real experiment, um, let's just give it a go and, and see like what happens. Mm-hmm. Then you let go of a lot of the expectations you have. Yeah. And if you let go of the expectations, it becomes a more enjoyable process. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe it'll stick. Yeah. And the difference uh, length of classes is really helpful because I think before when I'm talking about the meditation, I would try one that's on, you know, a long time ago somewhere else and it would be like 20 minutes long. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is hard. Like sitting here and then then it's like, bring it back to your body and you keep like my mind trails. That's like, bring it back to the body. (laughs) But I think the five minutes is like where I'm at right now. That's really helpful. That's how I started. I started with five minutes. I did that for about eight months, eight, nine months. And then I was like, oh, okay. And like now I feel like something is different yeah and then i went to 10 minutes and then eventually longer sits but yeah i mean think big start small yeah is my is my motto yeah so good my it just makes me think of my kids two of my older kids go to like a homeschool group um twice a week and the first time that they came back i'm like how was it how did you like it because the rest of the days in the week we do homeschool at home Mm. Um, but this was something new that we had tried and she, they were like, it was great, but they made us sit still for 15 minutes and do nothing. <laughs> and I was wow. like, really? And he's like, he said, yeah, because then like we would sit there or not supposed to say anything, like not really supposed to talk, just supposed to be alone. And the teacher, I'm like, what did, what did the teacher say? And she, he said, she said that, you know, it's good to sit by yourself with your thoughts because then you start to see the world around you. You start to see things you wouldn't see before. Mm. Like maybe you'll see a stick in the sand and feel creative and want to draw something in the sand that you wouldn't normally do that if you weren't uh, just sitting alone. So I thought that was really cool that like that's, that's something really cool. that to develop in children. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, the next child, if I'm lucky enough to have any more children – I'm going to be taking them to every meditation retreat I go on yeah. because um, it's it's really for most people growing up in cities, like for kids, it's it's tough because right. the stimulus is is there and things like TikTok and um, the pressure of culture. So, yeah, I think if I grew up in this time, I would probably be pretty sick. Yeah, truthfully, yeah. <laughs> totally. There's so much going on yeah. in the world. So to kind of round out this discussion, how else can we create, cultivate a disciplined mind through that? Yeah, so a, a disciplined mind can be cultivated through many ways. Um, I like to think of this analogy of commas and full stops. Um, full stops, 
like uh, um, things that you can bookend your day with. And that can be like just meditation sits. And when I say meditation, I'm also using breath work or, or whatever it is, whatever it is your meditation. So if you start your day with five minutes or end your day with five minutes, that's like a full stop. It bookends your day, right? It's just time just for you to intentionally focus on something or cultivate something like compassion, kindness, whatever it is. And then throughout the day, there are what we call commas. These little moments that punctuate your day where you're washing the dishes. Like, oh, this is a comma right here where I'm just present with what I'm doing. I'm going for a walk. I'm going to leave my phone behind. I'm going to notice what I see. I'm going to take in what I hear. Um, you know, I'm cooking. I'm really in that moment. And that's these little acts really build towards, you know, something much greater. Um specific practices you can focus on uh, like concentration practices or focus practices where your mind is just focusing on one specific thing so it could be sounds and that's a great way to begin it could be from i be also began looking at a candle flame where i was just like every time my mind wandered away from the candle flame i would just come back to it over and over and over again and that helps build this quality of gathering your attention into into one thing but really it's recognizing the moments that you are no longer mindful is a moment of mindfulness. Mm. And so every time you're like, oh, I've drifted off into this, now I'm mindful. And like the irony of that is kind of really funny because I tell people the moment you realize you're no longer present is the moment you become present. Mm -hmm. And um, just that recognition that you're not here is so powerful. Wow, that's really inspiring. I definitely feel inspired by this because I am, like I said earlier, just one of those people that's like check things off my to-do list, get it done. And I do consider myself like present with my kids. Mm. But when it's like work time or, or even there would be certain times throughout the day when I'm present with my kids, but then I lose that presence because I'm like, oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to mm. do that. And so it's like a back and forth. It's definitely something like a practice. Yeah. For sure. It's a work. practice. Yeah. it's. I want to just tell everyone that like don't beat yourself up if you mm. do it. Like I still beat myself up sometimes um, if my mind wanders away. It's so normal and they call it a practice for a reason. But it's like anything, you know, you invest a little bit of time, you get better at it, you get better at it the more you do it. So mm -hmm. uh, think big, start small and just be gentle with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I always go back to like what are the benefits? Like why should we do this? Because mm. I'm, I'm such a like task-oriented person. Mm. But it always just reminds me of like how easily self-induced stress is like how, how much we do that to ourselves, how we add stress to our lives that doesn't need to be there. Yeah. And so these practices that you're mentioning, the benefits. Absolutely. And a good way to maybe end it is if you feel it's difficult to, for people that feel it's difficult to do it for themselves, um, think of who you're doing it for. Like what would, who would benefit from me being kinder, less stressed, sleeping better, more present? Like, you know, is it my partner? Is it my kids? Is it my dog? <laughs> is it my work? Um, and myself. And myself. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that can also be a, a useful tool. Cool. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm so glad that we had this conversation. Thank We're you. We're going to end it now. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.